Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Today we are going to grow in learning how to mix the word with faith. And I want to go back and visit a scripture that we have um, looked at in the past concerning this subject, and it is in Hebrews chapter 3. Mixing the word with faith because we have a part to play. Amen? We have a part to play in the flow of God's word. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 3, I'm going to begin in verse 18. It says, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. We've talked about this phrase before. To them that believed not is also interpreted to them that were non-persuadable. To them that were non-persuadable. We want to be people easily persuaded by the word of God. We don't want God to have to to make us have to go through all kinds of different um, uh, evidences before we believe the word. We want the word to be enough for us. And it says, they did not believe. They did not enter to them that believed not. Verse 19 says, so we see that they could not enter because... Of unbelief. They could not enter because of unbelief. God had prepared the land for them. He desired for them to live in the land. They they were they weren't having to talk God into doing anything for them. It was his idea already. He had prepared this for them. He wanted them to have it. And all they had to do was have faith. And obey, which is our part of the covenant, right? Faith and obedience. And it says they could not enter because of unbelief. And then verse 1 of the next chapter is a continuation of this thought. Let us therefore fear or, or be serious or be on guard, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Let's be on guard against that. Let's watch that. Let's let's be aware of this unbelief that hinders our progress. Let's be on guard against it. Let's be sober-minded about it. Let's realize that, yes, we're faith people. Yes, we're God's children. Yes, we're blood-bought. But there is a believing in our lives necessary for the fulfillment of God's plan. There's a part we play. Amen? So let us fear so that we don't come short of this promise. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word preached 
was possible. The, the word preach brought the capacity to profit them. The word preached wasn't the failure. It wasn't the failure of the word and it wasn't the failure of the one who declared the word. It was a failure to mix faith with the word in those that heard it. And so we've looked at Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the sower, and Jesus said it's the key parable. Thank you. It's the key, and in that key is uh, the understanding for his other teachings. He said, if you don't understand this, how will you understand all of my teachings? So if we'll understand the the example given to us, the foundation given to us in the parable of the sower, that it affects the understanding of the other teachings of Jesus, we'll, we'll go to it and use it as a template, use it as a, a, um, a to, to interpret other things by. And in the parable of the sower, he said, the sower went out to sow. And he, he explained he was sowing the word. The word was the seed that was being sown. And in every ground, it was heard. That's how it was received. It was heard in every ground. So every different type of soil heard the word, right? Only one type of soil brought forth a production of the word or profit from the word. Did it say here in Hebrews 4, the word preached did not profit them? Well, it profited Joshua. It profited Caleb. <laughs> they were the two that were able to enter in out of that group that originally heard it. So two people heard it and it profited them because they mixed faith with what they heard. The others all heard it. So the parable of the sower talks about the hearing being the receiving the hearing, but it's the, that, that initial receiving or planting it into the ground is not the end because the good ground, which did bring forth production of the word or profited from the word preached, it not only heard it, but it took it into possession. And we talked about this in one of our first installments of this teaching. It grabbed hold of it and said, that belongs to me. It took it into possession. And it's the word that is used when Jesus said, believe that you receive and you shall have. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, when he said, believe that you receive, that word means believe that you take it into your possession and you own that. So 1 Peter 2, 24 has to be personal to us, right? It has to be real to us. It, it, not that... By his stripes you were healed, but by his stripes I was healed too, right? You were, but I was. Amen. I pull it into my possession and I bring it into my ownership and then I have to hold it. It says you gotta, you've got to maintain it. We've got to hold it in our possession. And so we talked about how do I hold the word in my possession? Well, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue but the word power in the Hebrew language is the word hand. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. So I take 1 Peter 2.24 not with this hand, but with this one. And as long as I'm holding it in my mouth, I'm holding it in my possession. 
That's how I maintain possession of it. And then I want it to be in my heart in a full measure. And we spent a, a number of our sessions talking about the heart, talking about the condition of the heart, because that was what made the difference in the soil. There was a, 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 a wayward soil where the seed was sown by the wayside. And that is such a hard-packed ground that nothing ever got into the ground. It never really fell into the dirt where it could take root. And it says that the, the birds of the air were able to come immediately and eat it. And they're, they're not digging. Birds don't dig generally. There may be some chickens will peck really hard, right, to get it in there. But, but generally, they're not digging down deep unless it's for a worm. And, uh, and so the, the soil hadn't gotten very deep for that, that seed to get down into it because it was wayside soil. And then Mark or Matthew 13 identified what makes a wayside soil. When, it, when there's no understanding, it says when they hear the word of the kingdom and understand it not, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that was sown. So the lack of understanding cause, makes that seed vulnerable to attack and, and to be stolen from the hearer. But then there is stony ground. Stony ground heard the same word, but it, didn't, it was preached to them, but it didn't profit them. And that stony ground was ground that was easily offended. Ground that was, uh, it, it had enough depth of earth for the seed to begin to grow. It, it was sprouting. It was coming up and it was looking for sunshine. But when the sun came out too hot, it didn't have enough roots deep enough to get past the rock. It, it hit that rock and the root system stopped because it couldn't hit any water. It was hitting that rock. And that offense, he, he called the offense the rock. He said they were offended. And we talked about the fact that John the Baptist, he was offended and he lost the revelation he once had of who Jesus was. He, he was the one who had heard straight from the Father. That the, he said, the one who sent me to baptize, he told me that when I see the Holy Spirit descend and remain upon him, that that is the Christ, the Messiah. And he, he publicly, publicly pronounced that. He publicly said that this is what God told me and this is what I've seen today. But after he was thrown into the prison, he sent his disciples to ask, are you the one or should I look for another? Are you the one? In other words, this revelation he had received from God was lost. And Jesus identified the offense because he said, go tell John that the gospel's being preached to the poor, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, and blessed are those who are not offended in me. And so offense was the culprit because when the heat came down of him being thrown into that jail and he allowed that pressure of that situation to cause the loss of the revelation. And so we don't want to be wayside soil. We don't want to be stony ground soil. And we don't want to allow thorns in our ground. We talked about the... the 
thorny ground that had the plant growing and yet there were other things growing in with the plant that it came to a certain place that there was not enough room for both the good plant and the thorns and the weeds to grow and the weeds and the thorns choked out the word and Jesus identified the weeds and thorns that will choke out the word as being the cares of this life and that word cares means worry about this life natural worries and so worry and anxiety are weeds that choke the word the word of God is not the failure the word of God is not lacking in capacity but if we're feeding the weeds you can feed the weeds watering the weeds miracle grow on the weeds we don't want miracle grow don't put the miracle grow on the weeds and so because the weeds and the thorns were growing they and growing and growing they overtook the plant and choked out the plant so it's not the it's not that the word doesn't have power but the word has to have its rightful place in our life and that's why proverbs chapter 4 god said attend to my word let them not depart from in front of your eyes incline your ear to hear so that they have a full measure of the word in your heart so that your heart is full because matthew 12 verse 34 and 35 says out of the good treasure of the heart the mouth speaks and that a good man can draw out of the treasure of the heart good things so we want to store up the treasure in our heart and we want to pull the weeds don't feed them and we want to pull out the rocks so that there's no offense and that we're choosing love and not being offended because it's not it, there's an a being offended at the word being offended about what you're going through I mean every one of us have the temptation when we're going through a difficult time in our life when we're under under pressure of any kind of a, a, a hard situation to to feel sorry is a, a temptation for every one of us to feel sorry why is this happening to me poor pitiful me me why is this happening to me and that temptation to feel sorry for yourself is something that is in the flesh it's in the nature of the flesh that's why we in that moment we have to realize it is of the flesh it's the flesh that is tempting me to feel sorry for myself it's not even always the devil sometimes it's just your own natural tendency to want to self-preserve and self-protect the the greatest thing that we can do is cultivate an attitude that will move us over into the spirit and that's what I want to hone in on today when we look at this in Hebrews that is telling us the word preached must be mixed with faith before we move away from this scripture I want to look at one more thing in verse 2 it says not being mixed with faith 
in them that heard it. My center column reference brings some light to us on that. It says, united by faith to the word. They were not united by faith to the word. So when God, when the written word of God, or even a word that he speaks to you by his spirit, when, when God gives us a word, just like he gave them, the, that I'm going to take you into the land that flows with milk and honey, they didn't unite to that word. They didn't connect to that word with faith. Faith is the connector. Faith is the plugging in of our connection to the word of God. And so uniting Uniting to the word is what I want us to, to look at today. How do we unite to the word? I want to look at an example of how to effectively unite to the word from the life of Abraham in Romans chapter 4. The father of our faith, he is referred to as the, the father of our faith, and we want to see how he operated faith. Romans chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 17 with the word that God gave him. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. So he had to unite to that word. I have made you a father of many nations. This is the word that Abraham needed to connect to or mix his faith with it, uniting to that faith. Have you ever... Anybody ever mixed cement? Have you ever mixed, like if you needed to put in a, a mailbox and you dig the hole and you've got the, it's powder, right? It, it's powder until you mix it. When you mix that cement together, then you can't go back and separate it. You can't go back and say, let me take that back and I want to pull the water out and, and get the cement over here and the sand over here. No, once you mix it, it's, it's united. It becomes one. Union is what we're, we're talking about when we say united to the word. I want to become one with the word. I want the word of God to be made flesh in me. <laughs> the, Jesus is the word made flesh, Right? Jesus, the word, the spoken word of God, the uttered word from God became flesh. And when the word of God becomes flesh in you, it becomes a part of you. You can't separate you from the word. That's what we want. We want to mix the word with our faith so that we are cemented into that promise. And you can't separate it from me. Amen. It's, it's glued to me. It is one with me. So it says that, he was uh, before him, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed. So he has this word, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. He calls things which be not as though they were. So I understand this about God. I understand he's not just saying something um, to, to make it seem like it's that way. He's saying it to make it that way. 
For God, when God wants to move something over into another condition, he uses his words to change the condition of the situation. When God looked out and saw nothing, he said, I'm going to change this. This is not what I desire. What I desire is light. And so he spoke, light be. And he began to, what was in his heart, all of the plans of humanity, all of the plans of the universe, the solar system was in God's heart. The, the gravitational pull of each different moon and each different planet was all in the heart of God. The molecular structure of water and the molecular structure of air and all of the details that cause the different uh, flows on the earth, the evaporation, the, 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 the different uh, uh, seasons, all of that was in the heart of God. And for God to get it out of his heart and into manifestation, he began to speak and he called it. And it, there was no light until said, God said, let there be light. The light wasn't operating. It wasn't moving. It wasn't present until God spoke. Light be. And when God said it, that's when it started. That's when it happened. It wasn't there. He wasn't saying there is light. He was saying light be. It was a command and it came out of him through his words. It was transmitted out of the heart of God into the, the manifestation through his words. God calls things, non-existent things, as if they already existed. He calls those things which be not, non-existent things, as though they already existed. And he said to Abraham, I have made you. He didn't say gonna be. I have made you a father of many nations. Can you imagine Abraham? Are you talking to me? Me? Can I talk to you about Sarah? Because, you know, she's never been able to have children. You know, can you imagine? But because he understood his covenant partner, because God had to teach him, because he did have that conversation in Genesis chapter 15, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And God said, childless? Who told you you were childless? Did I say you were childless? I never said you were childless. I said, I have made you a father of many nations. So he had to work with his perception and he had to build that inner image into Abraham. And in Abraham, what we have here in Romans chapter 4 is what happened when he was on track. This is when faith was working for him. So God didn't even bring up Genesis 15 when he's talking about Abraham in Romans chapter 4. He's only talking about how Abraham believed God and it was made unto him righteous. So he's telling us how it worked when he was believing. That's what we want to know. We want to know, I want to know how to make it work. And so it says, 
God calls things that are non-existent as though they already existed. God calls things that be not as though they were. And then it goes back to Abraham. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now, God had already said, I have made you the father of many nations. But now we're seeing our part. Abraham's part. Abraham had to believe in earnest, eager expectation. I want you to redefine hope. Can we redefine hope? Let me give you the Bible definition for hope because we have in our society a definition of hope that would not work for us in faith. In, in, in the definition of hope that our society would like to uh, uh, have us operate in it is a desperate hoping as if if God doesn't come through I'm gonna go under tie the knot at the end of the rope and hang on you remember when I was a little girl they had they had a poster of this kitty cat I mean they didn't have jpegs and memes and stuff like that we had posters and so this poster of the kitty cat and it was time it was hanging on to the last knot on the rope hanging and dangling in midair. And it says, you know, tie a knot at the end of the rope. And that was hope. Hoping, I'm hoping. I'm, and, the, and, the, and the painful look on the face is a, is a giveaway as to what their def definition of hope really is. I, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. That's not Bible hope. Bible hope is eager. I got my cup ready, and I got my bowl. We talked about it. Bible hope bakes the bread because we're going in the land with milk and honey. If we're going to have milk and honey, we need some fresh bread. Need some fresh bread, right? So why are you baking bread today? Because I'm entering into the land of milk and honey. Going to have me some milk and honey with my fresh bread. That's eager expectation of good. He had to take a Bible expectation of good. He had to take an expectation of good based on God's ability, not Sarah's ability, not his ability. He had to have an expectation of good. And so against natural hope, against the hope that was offered to him through his past experiences, against the hope that was offered to him through every failed attempt to have a child with Sarah before, against the natural hope that was offered to him through his age because he was at this time uh, when he received the promise 75. When the promise came into manifestation, he was 99. And so when, when it started to work, it must have been 98 for him, somewhere around 98, 99 because... When Isaac was born, he was 99 years old. And it didn't take God 24 years. It wasn't God who was put on pause for 24 years. It took that for him to expect, for him to keep looking at the stars and saying, so shall my seed be, and looking at the sand and saying, so shall my seed be, until he built an expectation that would override what he could see and what he could feel and what the symptoms were telling him. 
And that's why you and I have to be diligent about our expectation. We are not to dread. Hear me, Faith Builders family. We don't dread. There's nothing happening in this world today that causes dread in us. Because we don't serve this world system. We serve the giving God who gives. We serve the God who makes water come out of a rock. We serve God who supplies our every need. We serve God whose blessing is operating in our life. And so if the price of gas goes up, I've always got a supply because God is the one who provides for us. Amen? Dread, dread is a a negative expectation. It is hope in the wrong direction. And if you catch yourself dreading, if you catch yourself dreading what's going to happen next, identify that dread and, and put the brakes on it. Put the brakes on it and say, no, 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 no. That's not how I roll. That's not how I roll. I, I, it, there's nothing for me to fear. There's nothing for me to dread. There's nothing for, that's going to happen in my life that I need to be fearful about or, or upended about or unsure of. These are not uncertain times. We've been saying that for two years. Not for you and me. Not for you and me. These are not uncertain times. They might be perilous times for the world, but we're not in the world. We're not of the world. We're operating in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, these are, these are abundant times. These are blessing times. These are secure times. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We've got to have that in our mouth, our testimony is that it's going well for me. All things are working together for my good. I've been praying in the Spirit. Everything is going my way. My way. Everything is going my way I have prayed in the spirit I have partnered with the Lord everything is going my way hallelujah hallelujah Not by what it looks like. We don't sing it because all of a sudden, oh, look at that. I think I'll sing that song. God gave me that song when nothing looked like it was going my way. But I needed to turn some things. I needed to shift the direction that things were going in my life. And so I was all in, 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 in I was carrying in groceries. I had grocery bags on both arms. I was woo, carrying in those groceries. And the song hit me coming out of the garage into the kitchen. Everything, it just came out of my spirit. And I began to sing the shift. I began to sing that change. We don't dread. 
We don't dread. We don't dread. And if we catch ourselves dreading, put the brakes on it and purposefully put in your heart a spiritual declaration of who you are in Christ. Purposefully put in your mouth what you want and not what you feel. Don't let your feelings have the microphone, please. Take the microphone away from from the feelings. They are not to have any voice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Against natural hope. So we could say against dread. Because natural hope has nothing to offer. Natural hope is desperate. We are not desperate. If you feel desperate, go back to the word and renew your mind. If you feel desperate, feelings will change based on what you believe. But if you allow wrong information, it affects your believing. So you've got to cut off whatever is violating peace. Don't feed the weeds. If it's violating your peace, you don't have to know. It doesn't make your faith stronger to know the latest headlines. It's not profiting to feed on it. And if you are sensing a violation of your peace, if you are recognizing that something keeps getting in to to ruin my day, (laughs) and then I have to stop and spend extra time just to get my day back on track. Hallelujah. Find out what that is that's getting in and cut the volume of it off. Turn the channel. Delete the Facebook app. Whatever it is that's got to, that you've got to, whatever steps you have to take to be able to guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart flow the issues, the forces, the strength of your life. So when Abraham, he had to come against natural hope, and how did he do it? He did it with the hope he got from God. He believed in hope that he would become the father of many nations against what his symptoms, his evidences, his natural circumstance was telling him. He had to go to what God had told him and get hope. Hope is a part of faith. Hope is the thermostat that has to be set. If you get cold, there's a blanket nearby. See, you found a blanket. But I was sitting up here on the front row, and I was like, I'm so hot. (laughs) Somebody go do something to the thermostat, right? And they went over, and they adjusted the thermostat and called for something that was not in the building. You are experiencing what I called for. We, we, yeah, thank you, Jesus. We, we, we went to the thermostat and we called for something and we set that thermostat to bring something in. Without the thermostat, the unit, the air conditioning unit doesn't have an idea of what to bring. 
But with the thermostat, with your hope, you can tell faith what to build. Without the thermostat, the unit doesn't know what to do. It needs the instruction. It needs the specifics. It needs the details. Hope is a blueprint. Without the blueprint, the builder can't build anything. The builder's going to say, okay, well, you tell me you want me to build you a house, but how many rooms do you want? And how many bathrooms? And how many floors? And where do you want the master bedroom? And how many closets do you want? All of that has to be outlined in the blueprint, the hope. Hope is a blueprint. And without the blueprint, there's nothing for a builder to build. Without hope, there's nothing. Faith is the substance of the things we're hoping for. So Abraham had to have hope. And he had to have the hope that came from what God said. So one of the first things the Word is going to do in us is build that image, that blueprint, that hope of what we are to expect God to do. God wants us to expect increase. He wants us to expect all things to work together for our good. He wants us to expect days of heaven on earth. He wants us to expect that our year is crowned with His goodness. He wants us to expect that He makes a way for us in the wilderness. He wants us to expect that if I need it, He can make the rivers run in the desert. He wants us to expect... To be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That expectation is not something that I'm just pulling out of, of ideas that come from other places. The Word is building that image in me. The Word is telling me God can be expected to do exactly what He said He would do. Amen? So Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to the word. See, we're uniting with the word. According to the word that was spoken, so shall your seed be. The word was spoken and he was uniting with it. Hallelujah. And being not weak in faith, not weak in faith, The people of Israel, they were in unbelief. They were not in faith. You could say they were weak in faith. What were they considering? They were considering the giants in the land. They were considering the walled cities. They were considering how they were not able. We be not able. So they were considering their situation, their own circumstance. Abraham, he did not consider the evidence that was presented to him, his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he didn't consider that. He didn't factor that in the equation. He didn't consider that that was going to stop God. He did not consider that that is going to stop God. That makes it so God can't do it. He didn't, he didn't look at it this way. It's like, okay, I know that. And I know that. But that still doesn't stop God from making me the father of many nations. I know that I am 99 years old. 
98, 99. I know that Sarah has been barren all of her life, never had a child for me. I know that, but that doesn't stop God. And, and when, when we allow a situation or an evidence or something in the natural to become, well, you know, I know God's healer, but this is, and fill in the blank, whatever disease. Sometimes the, 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 um, the heaviness of the disease or the impact of the disease becomes something that, that they say, well, but that makes it harder for God. Harder for God? Is a headache harder than cancer? Is one like, okay, God, this is going to be a hard one. There, on, in God's estimation, the healing is the same no matter what the disease. It's just as easy for God no matter how, how impactful the disease may have been in situations doesn't make it a, a, a factor that takes healing off the table. That's what he had to do. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But can I remind you chapter 15? Just say thank God for chapter 15. There's hope for us. Because Genesis chapter 15 is in the Bible. There's hope for us. Because none of us are perfect in faith the first time we try to work it. We all, I mean, the process of faith, it takes practice. You've got to practice casting down imaginations. You've got to practice uh, uh, maintaining your focus of faith. You've got to practice uh, keeping your words in line with what God has promised you. You've, there's a lot of walking in love in the middle of that. It isn't something that you're in the middle of a faith fight and the enemy just brings opportunities for you to get offended or for you to get critical. And I've got to walk in love because I'm believing God. <laughs> I, this is too important for me to even go there with that person, right? Just bless her, Lord, right? Why? Because we're, we, we recognize there are components to me operating my faith effectively that have to be developed in my life. And so praise God. That God included Genesis chapter 15 where Abraham looked at God and said, what are you going to do for me since I am childless? So he made a declaration that was not a faith declaration. But again, God didn't bring it up in Romans chapter 4. And God's not going to bring up our faith failures, those times that we've said things we shouldn't have said or the times that we've let go when we should have held on, right? He's not going to bring those up. But so there was a time that he did consider himself childless. But he came to a place where he did not consider it. And he's, God calls this that he was not weak in faith with those things of considering. So that's what made it possible for him to not consider the situation, the circumstance, the evidence that was being presented to him, the symptom in his body. What made it possible for him to override that and, and move on from that was that he became strong in faith. How did he become strong in faith? Verse 20. He staggered not 
at the promise of God through unbelief. Well, that's what they did in Hebrews chapter 3. The promise of God was presented to them and they staggered at it. But he did not stagger at the promise of God. Unbelief causes us to stagger at the promise of God. Notice um, the Amplified. Can I see the Amplified here in verse 20? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. It says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. We want to be united to the word. Amen. What does the, the questions come to separate us from the word? The symptoms come to separate us from the word. The, the, the situation, the pressure, it comes to separate us from the word. Remember, the good soil, the good ground that brought forth 30, 60, and 100 was the ground that never allowed the word to be separated from it. The wayside soil was separated from the seed that was sown into it. The stony ground got separated from the word. The thorny ground got separated from the word. But good ground, we don't get separated or stagger, or question the word, it is working. Well, I just don't know what to do. It's just not working. Who told you it's not working? Because you feel like it's not working? Because you see something that, that looks like it's not working? It's working even when I don't see it. It's working even if I don't feel it. The word is working because God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent or change his mind about it. He swore with an oath to make it something that was uh, immutable, something that was unchangeable. Blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply you. I'm not changing that. I'm not changing that. He made it a covenant so that it would be secure to us. He made it by faith that it would be by grace so that it would be the promise sure to all the seed. It's not by chance. It's not hope so, maybe so. It is sure. It is guaranteed. 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 The promise is guaranteed. The word of God is guaranteed. We've got to have that same strength that, that Abraham came to where he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. Let me go back to the amplified. He was strong in faith. That's, I want you to see yourself strong in faith. He grew strong. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. This is a major, major part of uniting with the word. This is an integral part of bringing the word to a full profit production in your life. We've got to 
grow strong in faith as we give praise and glory and thanksgiving to God. Let me show you an example. Luke chapter 17 is such a, a perfect example of this. Luke 17, and we'll begin in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. How did Abraham grow strong in faith, empowered by faith, giving glory to God? Show me the Amplified here of verse 15. It says in the King James, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. The Amplified says he turned back recognizing and thanking and praising God with a loud... Now we know how to give God glory. Now, everyone, how do I give God glory? Recognize, thank, praise. Recognizing. Recognizing. He saw that he was healed and he, he didn't just run back to his family. He didn't just run back and say, can I get my job back? He didn't just run back and say, uh, give me some food to eat. He didn't run back and say, where's my lazy boy? He said, wait a minute. I need to recognize what just happened to me? I need to recognize and acknowledge what just happened to me. Something has changed in my life and I just can't go forward with my life and act like it was no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I need to recognize the person who did this for me. And he came back with a loud voice recognizing and thanking and praising recognizing, thanking, and praising God with a loud voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 16. Say in the Amplified there for 16. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over. <laughs> Over and over. Over and over. He fell at his feet. He was loud before he got there. So that they could hear him coming. He's loud on his way. And then he falls at Jesus' feet. And he, he doesn't just say, hey, hey, bro. Thanks. Thank you. That was nice. No, he falls down at his feet and he says, thank you. Loud voice. Remember loud voice? Is that emphasized with a loud voice? Thank you. 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 Thank 
you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But the King James says he was giving him glory. <laughs> That's how we give glory. How was Abraham strong in faith? How did he grow in his strength and be empowered by faith? Giving glory, recognizing, thanking, and praising. Verse 17. Jesus answering said, were there not ten? He's looking to see who recognizes what they've received. This, this is God's attitude. Jesus is the express image of God on the, in, in, for us. If you want to see how God thinks, look at Jesus. God thinks there is accurate place for thanksgiving he said where 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 are the nine there's only one <laughs> only one came back were there not ten cleansed where are the nine there are not found that returned to give glory to God save this stranger so there is an appropriate giving of glory. Amen? But again, he identifies this as giving glory. And then he says this. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. They were all ten cleansed of the leprosy. But that doesn't mean they got anything back that they lost in the leprosy. They went back with what they had left. If they lost an ear, if they lost a finger, if they lost a toe, they went on with their life toeless. Missing that toe, missing that finger, missing that ear. Why? Because they were cleansed. But they weren't made whole. But this man received something that the other nine didn't receive. He received a restoration, a wholeness that the other nine missed. They could have received it. But notice he says, your faith. Your faith. Faith? Was this man in faith? Jesus called his Giving glory, faith. All we see him doing is giving glory. Recognizing, thanking, and praising. But Jesus said that's faith. Hallelujah. It's an expression of our faith. We can, there are some times that one of the best ways for you to express your faith is to worship God for what you don't see. To praise Him, just to enter into praise. When your feelings and your emotions and your mind want to go over and meditate the problem or look at the situation, if you'll follow your mind, you're going to end up in tears and in sadness. But if you'll just move over into your heart and let your heart begin to say, I worship you. 
you are the one who changes this situation for me. And you begin to praise God for the answer that you don't see, the answer that you don't feel, the answer that you don't have any natural evidence is in manifestation, but it's not in the natural that, that my faith is, is based. My faith is based on God and His Word. Amen? So I can thank God, I can recognize God, I can praise God without my feelings. Ooh, I better say that again. I don't praise God because I feel like it. There was a time I did. When I first started walking with God, I, it, was, it was when the, the church service was going real good and they had the bump, 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 and the, and yeah, that, whoo, now I feel it. And then I would praise him. But that's not the best way. It's best to praise God on demand. By choice, not by feeling, by choice. Like when I learned that I don't praise God because of what's happening, I don't wait until something good happens and say, oh, thank you. I will say, oh, thank you when something good happens, but I don't wait till that good happens. I, I praise him when I, without any, if any natural triggers. I don't need a natural trigger. I have a trigger. He is good. I know him. The more I know about him, ooh, I praise him for who he is. Not for what's happening, for who he is. Hallelujah. So when this man came back giving him thanks, saying thank you over and over, recognizing and praising and thanking Jesus, he was releasing faith that connected him to wholeness. It says that Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory, recognizing, thanking, and praising. Hallelujah.